0: Good morning, everybody. Where were some of you when the service began? I didn't, like, where did you come from? Man, when I, when I was pastoring, I, we used to call that the 10-minute miracle. Um, it's like, is anybody going to be here? And then you look 10 minutes later, and wow, where would they come from? So it's good to see you and good to be with you today. Are you glad to be here? Why? It's a good day to be here. Right on, Corey. I agree. Mark, why are you glad to be here? Yeah. There, there's something about gathering together, right? Don't you love that God hasn't asked us to be Lone Ranger Christians and just kind of do our own thing? And now we, There's this power in community and being together. Um, Sometimes we just need to say to the devil, no, I'm going anyways, just to make a statement that I'm not doing life alone. Um, Anyways, it's good to be here. Um, This is one of our favorite churches in the whole world. And Cheryl and I love the opportunities that we have to um, come and be with you. This is our... um, it's kind of an unusual stretch of of ministry for Cheryl and I. Um, incidentally, the we we work with our ACOP churches. ACOP is an acronym for <laughs> yeah, ACOP, Apostolic Church of Pentecost. We had a retired RCMP officer in the last uh, church we were in who said ACOP. Hmm, this is sounding familiar. Um, but the Apostolic Church of Pentecost, this church is part of, a, of a, a family of churches across Canada of about 120 or 130, depending how you count them. And, um, and, and then about 1,400 churches around the globe that this church is part of and a family of. And I know that sometimes when we're operating in a, in a local community and focused on the local community, sometimes we can ju- just forget that God's also put us in a big family. So just know that we're glad that you're in the big ACOP family, very glad. Um, It's a little bit of an unusual season for us. We're doing four ordinations in a row. Um, Two weeks ago we were in, where were we two weeks ago? I was in Elmer, Ontario. Everyone knows where Elmer is, right? (laughs) You know where's that? It's just left of nowhere. Um, no, it's kind, of, it, it's kind of straight about a half an hour out of London, Ontario. That kind of gives you some proximity. Um, ordaining a young man um, there named Nathan Jansen. And then last week, we were all the way in Wallaceburg, Ontario. That's just about as far west and south as you can go um, in Canada, literally. And ordained a guy named Len Head, and then we are here this morning, an honor to be part of the ordination of of course unfolding this morning. And then next week, we are in Brandon, Manitoba, ordaining um, a pastor named Joer Pares, who, who pastors the Spanish work there. So next week, pray for me as I work with an interpreter. Actually it's more like pray for them as they work with me, because um, I tend to speak too quickly when I'm working with an interpreter. So it'll be fun. Anyways, good to be here. Um, What do you say we look to the Word? Good idea? Oh, I think so. Good idea, Rod. Let's do that. And um, so if you have your Bible, in a minute we're going to read Psalm 46. Some of you are turning there frantically. Some of you are turning on your phones frantically. Um, I like either one. God is not intimidated by the way his word is delivered. It's the fact that it is delivered. So whatever you need to do to find the word, find it. That's a good thing. Um, I wonder if we could get... Oh, look at that. You guys are reading my mind. Um, while you're turning there, let me just share a quick happenstance that happened to Cheryl and myself a few years ago. Um, we had we had taken a, a few weeks of holidays and, and we're touring around the New England states. That's kind of that northeast east corner of the U.S., Massachusetts and New Hampshire and all those interesting little places up there. And we were just touring around, and one day we, and we really didn't have an agenda, but one day we, we happened to see, hey, we are close, close to Plymouth Rock. And I said to Cheryl, I've heard of Plymouth Rock. I learned about Plymouth Rock in social studies in what, about grade five or so? Anybody heard of Plymouth Rock? Okay, we are with very educated people here. We all were in social studies together at some point, perhaps. Um, When when I took social studies, we learned that Plymouth Rock was... was The original Plymouth Rock was a large rock um, in Massachusetts where... The original pilgrims who arrived in North America in um, 1741 or or thereabouts, sorry, I got the date wrong, what was it, in 1620. So the uh, pilgrims arrived on the Mayflower. There's a little model of the Mayflower. When they arrived in North America in 1620, apparently they, they anchored off the coast of Massachusetts and stepped off onto a large rock and... And 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 that was their entry into North America, and we thought this will be fun to go to, and so we went to Plymouth Rock, and and we found we, the next slide, please. We we found it's become quite a tourist attraction. Um, the the one on the bottom you can see is kind of an open aired building, and inside is the rock that is on the top, and you can see it's inscribed with 1620. Um, which is the original rock that the pilgrim stepped out onto and it, it's kind of fun because over a million visitors a year visit this spot in order to see the original rock that the pilgrim stepped out onto or was it? We approached that little white pillared place and there happened to be a park ranger who was talking and as he talked, he said, some of you are here believing that this is the original rock that the pilgrims stepped out onto, and we're like, yeah. And he's like, well, that's a myth that we've been propagating for 400 years. Sure brings the tourists in, and we're like, well, it worked for us, I guess. Um, he went on to explain why it wasn't the original rock, and they just happened to drag it out of the, out of the ocean. It was convenient, and they set it up as a a tourist attraction and I was a little bit disappointed Um, and then I went away and I thought you know I wonder how many myths or if there are myths that believers have propagated over the years sometimes they're pithy sayings that sound spiritual um, but they're actually a myth and one of the ones that I've been pondering recently is this myth that God will never give us more than we can handle. It sounds really good. And, and that's God saying it is a myth, by the way, Doug. It, it's, it's actually a myth, and I, I want to explore that a little bit with you That today. That God does give us more than we can handle, folks. And nobody's saying amen. I think it's an especially suitable scripture. Pastor Brian, as we head into your ordination. Because part of your calling is that God is calling you to more than what you can handle. He really, really is. And God is not intimidated by that, and we should not be intimidated by that, and Spoiler alert, God will never call us into more than what he can handle. There's the kicker. So let's pray, and then we're going to read Psalm 46 together. Father, thank you that you're here. Thank you for your very real presence. We love you so much, Lord. Father, we can't imagine life without you. How hopeless and helpless that would be. How depressing that would be. But Father, you have not just given us salvation, but you come to live within us. You give us your spirit. The spirit of the risen Savior dwells within us. Father, thank you for that. Thank you for your life. Thank you for, for the destiny that flows out of your life that is in us. Thank you for your presence. We value your presence. Now, Holy Spirit, as we explore your word and then we ordain Pastor Brian at the end of this service, we just ask that you would walk with us, you would talk with us, you would share with us your insight and your wisdom. And we just tell you that we're we're eager learners today. Show us, talk to us, instruct us. Now, thank you for your word. May it truly bear life in our lives as we read it in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 46 says this. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And therefore, when we read therefore, we see why it's therefore. It's there. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And therefore... We will not fear when earth gives way. And though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, and though its waters roar and foam, and though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. Some of you are like, say what? Selah means stop and think about that for a minute. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God It's good. Think about that. Now, come, behold the works of the Lord, how He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. Let me repeat that. There are some here today who just need to hear this again and again and again. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. In the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes a little differently, but it's the same kind of flavor to it. That life's really big. In fact, too big for him. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 7, he says, "...so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh." a messenger of Satan, to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. And three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said, hey, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weaknesses." Insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Folks, God does allow more than we can handle. The psalm that we just read, Psalm 46, speaks of some pretty extreme situations that were too big for the psalmist. Um, And really, to imagine otherwise is to... Embrace
1: delusion.
0: Um, life was too big. The things that they described in Psalm forty-six were too big for the psalmist to handle. Um, I mean, note the extremity, extremities. He says, "Though the earth gives way," what is that about? We don't exactly know, but it was catacly- cataclysmic events around the, the world. Though the earth give way, though the mountains tremble I was preaching once in Guatemala and I noticed that the people were distracted now it's not unusual for people to be distracted by all sorts of things but these guys were really distracted and they're kind of looking around I'm thinking well I'll just keep preaching I guess you preach through some things anyways they told me afterwards Rod didn't you see it the walls were shaking because we were living through an earthquake like, no, I didn't know. I was preaching. I was pretty focused. I didn't know. Anyways, sometimes the mountains tremble. Sometimes the earth shakes, according to the Psalm 46. Guys, it's a little too big for the average individual. What are you going to do? How are you going to solve that? And then the psalmists talk about wars. We've got wars going on around our times. And guess what? They're too big for any one of us to handle. That the mountains are thrown into the heart of the sea and the nations rage and the earth melts. And folks, if humans were big enough to handle everything on earth, we wouldn't need Psalm 46. The sons of Korah who wrote this psalm were actually in really good company when they pondered the bigness of life and the smallness of humans. I mean, Scripture is replete from cover to cover with situations that were too big for people, that God allowed people to experience more than what they could handle on their own. Paul, we just read, he he called it a thorn in the flesh. God, take it away. Jeremiah in Jeremiah 38 finds himself imprisoned in a well and sinking in the mud. It was a little too much. He just couldn't rescue himself. Daniel in Daniel 6 finds, him in the lion, finds himself in the lion's den. And we, we often hear about that in children's ministry because it's a great story, right? The underlying theme behind that story is life really can get tough and we can find ourselves in situations that are too big for us. Daniel couldn't rescue himself. Moses stands at the edge of the Red Sea in Exodus 14 with the Egyptians closing in and a bunch of muttering Israelites saying, rescue us. And he's like, this is too big for me. Hezekiah finds himself sick and dying in chapter 20. And the prophet tells him, put your house in order because you're about to die. Well, that's a little too big for him to handle on his own. Um, Hosea is told to marry a prostitute, and then she leaves him in chapter 3. And I, I think maybe there was a there was a bit of relief there. Huh. Okay, I was obedient. That one's behind me. And then God says, now go and find her and bring her back into your home. Like, like the things God, the audacity of God. In the New Testament, John. Chapter 19, we find Mary watching her son die. That's a little too big for a human to handle. Folks, there's times in our lives that are too big for us to handle, and they're actually part of God's plan for us. Whether it's times of death or sickness or divorce or separation, many here have experienced the sting of divorce and separation. It hurts sickness and loneliness and job loss and job expectations and dreams that don't materialize financial strain pandemics and the lingering effects of pandemics inflation how much higher will it go how much more can a loaf of bread cost for crying out loud friends who betray friends who smile but then betray words that sting, questions about life and where on earth are we going, and on, and on, and on. Folks, life is replete. It's full of stuff that's too big for us to handle. When we feel like that, we actually join a long list of spiritual heroes who felt the very same way. If you ever feel like life's too big, know that every spiritual hero relates. You're a spiritual hero. Isn't that great? Put that on your t-shirt. Here's the question. Why does God allow times like that? Why, Why does he let stuff happen that's too big for us? Two things happen there. We learn about ourselves and we learn about God. Those are the two big lessons. First of all, we learn about ourselves. Paul said it kept him from becoming conceited. Well, what would have happened if that hadn't happened? And we had the epistles, which Paul wrote much of of the New Testament. What if it had been written by a guy who was full of conceit? Do you think they would be flavored a little differently? Paul said, it was to keep me from being conceited. We learn about our own limitations. We learn that we're not created to be self-sufficient, but we're created to be God-dependent. We learn when life gets too big that there is a God and I'm not him. We learn. I'm not self-sufficient. I'm just not. And neither are you. And this is actually part of our destiny that we would be God-dependent, folks. We live in a world that constantly reinforces self-sufficiency, and increasingly, as a nation moves away from God, what is emphasized is self-sufficiency. We hear increasingly phrases like, pursue your dreams and just go after them, and anything is possible if you work hard enough. No, it's not. When I was a kid and in my teenage years, um, my big dream was to be a jockey in the Kentucky Derby. Yep. And then I hit this growth spurt, you know, and it's like, you know, those little shrimps on the horses just look a little different than me. One of these things is not like the other. I think that dream is not going to materialize. Guess what? Many dreams don't materialize. My, many dreams are based upon self sufficiency and providing for ourselves. And God says it's okay if our dreams don't materialize. It really is. The world reinforces self sufficiency, like I said. Be financially self sufficient. Cheryl and I should be multimillionaires right now, based upon the advice we received in our early um, married life, sat with a financial advisor, and he told us if we put away, I can't remember, was it hundred bucks a month, that by the time we hit, well, this age, we'd have a lot of cash. Let's just say we take you all out for lunch. It'd be steak. It'd be good. Yeah, and that's not the way it happened. Like It, it was based upon the fact that, that the average interest rates at that time were 10 to 12%. And, um, well, that just didn't materialize. Guys, we're not meant to be self-sufficient. And when we find ourselves in over our head, it reinforces that message. It's a good message. We're not meant to be self-sufficient or independent. Psalm 20 and verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And yes, you can say amen there. Oh, that was feeble. Let me try it again. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Yeah, isn't that good? What does amen mean? No, it means that now we can eat. In the original language, no, it doesn't mean that. It means so be it. When we say amen, it's like saying yes. Yeah. Some trust in horses and chariots and some trust in financial independence and some trust in all sorts of stuff, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. (laughs) We're not self-sufficient. God's okay with that. We need to be okay about that. Folks, when we are in over our heads, we also learn about God, that God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in trouble. He's completely in charge he makes wars to cease, and amidst it all, he says, Rod, pick up your stool, sit down, and be still, and know that I am God. Selah. But God, I should be doing this and pursuing there, and I've got to overcome this problem because it's too big for me. Rod, be still, and know that I am God. It's his breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. It's his breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to him, only Great is our God. See, we proclaim this stuff. Great is our God. Great is our God. Great is our God. But we truly learn it when life, when we feel in over our heads. You know where? You know where I learned about God's financial provision. Here's, here's where. I, and I mean, I really learned it. I mean, we learned about it in Sunday school, but I really learned it. Like, really learned it. Um, a few years into our pastoral ministry and we were pastoring a church that just went through some tough times financially. And overnight, our salary was cut about 40%. And we had, we had little kids and a mortgage. And I remember coming home and Cheryl and I holding each other and crying and going, I don't know how this is going to work. With this, The bills didn't stop just because our wages were cut. It wasn't like utility companies were phoning and saying, hey, you know, we're going to cut your utility bill by 40% too, just to keep in step with what's going on in your life. Nope. But we learned about God's provision. Like, like it's, he just, it's so cliche-ish, but he just kept coming through. In in that territory that was beyond us, because God calls us to the edge of our abilities, including our financial abilities, and then a little beyond. He will always call us a little beyond. It's in the little beyond that we learn about faith and his provision and ourselves. So in the financial little beyond, so for years, like we're paying a mortgage and doing everything, and then God calls us to a little beyond, and we find ourselves here and go, oh my goodness, how are we going to make it? God says, it's okay, I'm okay, so you'll be okay. It's in the little beyond, financially. I actually played more golf than I ever did in, before or have since during that little beyond stage. There was a fellow in our church who, who was marshalling at, do you know what a marshal is? It's, it's somebody who keeps the people moving along on a golf course, and they paid him in time, and he came to me one day and said, hey, Rod, I've got way more than I need you ever want to golf? Like, golf as much as you want on my time. Well, thank you very much. I think I will. We're living in extreme poverty right now and don't know how we're going to pay the utilities. But I'd love to golf. Absolutely. Didn't help my game any, but um, sure had a blast doing it. It was in the little beyond financial territory. When There, there was a point where we felt like we needed to, to... We were living in Alberta. We needed to go to northern Saskatchewan for Christmas. Um, my mom was going through some extreme difficulties, um, some base, some family upheaval happening. Anybody ever lived through family upheaval? Okay. So we felt like we needed to go home and support my mom for, at Christmas time. But guess what? Do you remember? It's the little beyond territory. And it's like, it's a really good idea, but we don't have any money to travel. Um, but sh- both Cheryl and I felt like we, that God was just going to provide. So we, so... We we were watching for a check in the mail or unexpected cash. We were we were gonna leave right after the last um, Sunday service before Christmas. So whatever date it was, twenty second, twenty third, whatever it was, and and we just we we it's Saturday night. We're we're planning to leave Sunday. Um, it's like should we pack up? And I told Cheryl, I guess we should. Like, we felt like we heard from the Lord. God's, maybe God will provide during the service tomorrow. Um, and so we, we, we pack the car up, and we're going to leave right from church. Um, so we've got the kids ready to go. We've got suitcases packed. The van is loaded. We come to church, and I have to confess that Sunday I think I talked a little longer to some people. Just expecting them to slip me some cash, you know? And it didn't happen. And then at the end of the service, I made sure that I got to the back because I don't want to be at the door. And, well, I don't want to make miracles difficult for God, you know? And everybody leaves. Everybody left. And we're like, well... I guess we go home. We must have missed it. We didn't even have a full tank of gas. And, and as we were, we we're getting ready to go out the door, wouldn't you know it, a car pulls back in. You know where this is going. car pulls back in. A guy comes running back in and goes, oh, I forgot to give you this. And he comes in and gives us this envelope stuffed full of cash. And he said, I felt like God just wanted me to do this. And there, inside is like $1,000 in cash. And and we're like, yes, kids, we are going, you know. Why do I share that story? Because guys, some of you, like some of you are in the midst of financial difficulty. You need to know you're gonna be okay because God's okay. Like there's a difference between living where where we're paying the bills and where everything's okay, but know that God's not out of control when he calls you to the edge of your abilities and a little beyond and it's actually in the little beyond that he will provide finances when we need it he will provide health when we need it he will provide wisdom when we need it he will provide it all as long as we realize that we are not God and we don't need to be in a panic here and then we learn about him his goodness his blessing his provision his wellness his godness Paul said, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. What's that all about? Grace is more than what we say before a meal. Grace is God's abilities made available to you and me. That's grace. It's God saying, all that I have, all that I am, all all, all, all that I possess, all that I will ever be, I make available to my kids. That's grace. God extends grace to the undeserving, but he extends grace freely to you and me because we're his kids. He likes to do that stuff. God simply told Moses, I am who I am. Like... (laughs) Everything you ever dreamed of, everything you ever desired, I am, and I am who I am. God's grace shows up amidst the biggest, baddest, rudest situations in life when we feel the weakest. So if you're feeling weak today, well, Paul said, when I am weak, then I am strong, for his power is made perfect in weakness. If you're feeling in the little beyond territory, just know that you're prime candidate for God's grace. You're going to learn about, our, about yourself there, and you're going to learn about the goodness of God there. Don't worry if you're in a situation that is bigger than you can handle. Good. I want us to watch a little commercial. It's like, what? We were only going to watch commercials when we got home. You weren't. You were going to fast forward through them. I know you. Um, I I saw this commercial a few years ago. It's a Skechers commercial. Don't play it yet. Press the pause. Go back to the beginning. Skechers is a shoe company, in case you didn't know that. And um, I think it's an amazing picture of grace. And th- in the sound booth... I think we're going to play it twice, okay? So when we play it through, then we're going to go back and play it once more because it's pretty quick. Are you ready to see Grace in action? Yeah, just just work with me, folks. There we go. Okay, here we go. Hit it. While spry and agile, the young gazelle is no match for the raw speed of the magnificent cheetah Fit a human with a pair of Sketches Go Run 2 running shoes, and you never know what might happen. Introducing Sketches Go Run 2 with Midfoot Strike technology. They're designed for speed. Okay, go back and play that again. This is grace! This is grace! While spry and agile that's Young you and me no match for the that's the stuff of life magnificent it's just too big sometimes however outfit a human with a pair of sketches go run to running shoes i love it do you never know what might happen i love it introducing sketches go <laughs> run two with midfoot strike technology they're designed for speed Isn't that good? That's a picture of grace, you guys. When we find ourselves being pursued by the stuff of life, and it's too big, it's too fast, it's too strong, God's got you. There's a reason that God calls us his children, folks. He doesn't call us even his adult children. He calls us his children. He's got your back. You're going to be okay. You're going to make it. You really will. How do I know that? I experience that daily. Millions of his kids have come before you and me. And everyone testifies of his faithfulness. Everyone You're going to make it. Be encouraged. God does call us to more than what we can handle. Be bold in learning about yourself and admitting that it's too big, but be bold also in embracing the abilities and the power of our God. Amen? For when I am weak, then I am strong, for his power is made perfect in weakness. He is strong to provide. He's strong to save. He's strong to restore. He's strong to give wisdom. He's strong to encourage. He's strong to bless. He's strong to encourage. This is our God. This is our God. Amen.